I'm going to be asking the questions. This is apologetics. I'm going to ask you guys questions. <laughs> Please define existential. Let me just stick it in your pocket. I'm going to clap. There we go. Five after already. All right. Well, should we begin? Okay. Well, um, thank you for all coming. I will open in prayer, and then uh, we'll get into this. All right. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, thank you for uh, spaces that are available for us to come, even if they're kind of smelly and and not perfect. Uh, Lord, we know that. Not everyone in this world is as fortunate as uh, we are. So we thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. I pray that you will uh, work through me and that uh, we will all benefit um, from this class this morning and as well as the, the rest of the day. We pray all this in the name of your Son and by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Very good. Well, welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, if you don't have the book, that's fine. Uh, it's not absolutely necessary. It's not really necessary at all. Um, I've sort of tailored the classes so that even if you don't use the book or don't ever uh, want to get the book, you'll still benefit. Um, the Where book. Do you get the book? I thought you were going to have some. We can, we can get you one. So me and Mike will get you one if you need us to get, yeah. one, get you one. Um, it's on Amazon, iBooks. Uh, it's called John Frame. I think, Keith, you have one, so you could just. Yeah. yeah, that's what it looks like, sort of turquoise cover. John Frame, Apologetics. Justification for Christian Belief. Um, it's a little bit more of an academic level book, so our classes won't go nearly into the depth that he does. So that's like the supplemental material. So if I say something in class where you're like, I'd really like to know more about that particular thing, he's got it in the book, and then I'll, I can point you to the correct chapter and stuff, and, and he lays it out really well. Um, like I said, the... Uh, in the email, this is a short sort of eight-week course, so it'll run each Sunday until November 13th, and we're meeting at this time. Hopefully, it won't always be smelly like this. Um, yeah, yeah, I, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, every Sunday until uh, November 13th. If we have to miss a Sunday, there's a little bit of wiggle room, so that we might go to the 20th. Um, of November, but we won't go past Thanksgiving. Um, it's funny when we, when Mike asked me if I wanted to do a course, I said sure, um, and he was like, "Well, you can pick the topic." So I was like, "Well, I'll do apologetics. I feel like I I know that the most." And I was I don't know what I was thinking at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got into it and I was like, "Oh, I know so very little." So it's, it's just one of those humbling moments where you start, you start digging and you realize, okay, uh, there's a lot more here than, you know. Uh, the typical young apologist thinks he's the smartest person in the world. So, um, But it's funny because um, I said I'd do the class, and then like two months ago, me and Julia were like, well, maybe 
time and with Jerry and everything was just looking like it was going to be too much for her really because I have to be gone a lot to study and do things like that. And so we said we wouldn't do the class. And then Mike and Anne-Marie sort of brought us back from the edge. <laughs> and they're like, no, you'll do okay. And so we then decided to do the class again. So in true Ukrainian fashion, we changed our minds at least twice, as I, as I like to say. That's for, that's for Julia. <coughs> it's very true. So, well, maybe, but the Ukrainians excel at it. Um, I have, uh, here you can pass these around. This is just a class outline and sort of schedule. Very simple, but it gives you just sort of the uh, bare bones of um, if you do want to read the book, um, what chapters correspond with, you, with each class and what that class is on. Um, and again, there might be some, don't get frightened by if there's terminology that's like, oh gosh, this is going to be heavy, right? Um, I'm going to try my best to not use a lot of those words. And if I do start using them, I'm going to take a, a take a pause to really sort of articulate what they mean. So I'm not just going to throw transcendental out and be like, all right, well, if you don't understand, then too bad. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as you can see, I'll take I'll take one. The first class, which is today, uh, we're going to be talking about defining apologetics. <clears throat> and this is one of the first things I realized when I started studying it is that there are uh, there's a plethora, a million and a half different definitions of apologetics. I mean, I I always assumed that it was just oh we're just defending Christianity. Um, so I think most of you have probably heard the, the classic sort of definition of apologetics, which is defending the faith, right? That's sort of the classic um, go-to uh, definition of it. Um, our author, John Frame, he defines it a little bit different. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I think that, as we'll find today, I think that definition is fine, but we're going to really sort of unpack that. And uh, so as a, as a sort of exercise in uh, what we're going to be doing throughout the whole class is I really want to focus more on um, apologetics sort of as a method. So you might hear me use the word methodology. And methodology really just refers to um, sort of your game plan, your strategy to actually going about teaching apologetics and performing apologetics. So my goal from the class is not to just simply give you a bunch of facts and a bunch of data, right, uh, to use an analogy. I don't want to just give you a bunch of tools and ammunition and not instruct you in how to actually use those, right? And I think that happens sometimes um, with certain apologetic approaches is that they just, they start going into all these evidences and all these proofs and everything. And, it, and if the person isn't really familiar with those things, it can be overwhelming and they just pull back, right? So what I want to do is take a little bit of time to sort of, and today we're going to sort of do a, a live exercise of um, using that methodology of, okay, how do we actually go about learning to perform apologetics versus using particular arguments? And um, so we'll start there. Uh, John Frame um, is a reformed 
theologian and philosopher. He's actually one of the foremost like scholars on Van Til, um, who Van Til is sort of the father of what they call presuppositional apologetics. I'm sure most of you have probably heard that phrase. Um, we're going to talk about presuppositional apologetics and other types of apologetics next class, so we'll get there. Um, so John Frame is sort of in that camp. Um, he's a Calvinist, right, uh, Reformed theologian, so he's sort of right in our, our camp. Um, yeah, so that's why, why I chose him. And, uh, and actually, I really appreciate the way that he defines apologetics. So in uh, chapter 1, uh, I don't remember the exact page number, um, but this is how he defines apologetics, and we're going to use this as sort of our launching point. He says, apologetics is the discipline that teaches Christians how to give a reason for their hope. Okay, so I'll read that again. The discipline that teaches Christians how to give a reason for their hope. Now, like I said, the reason I like this definition is because it implies that apologetics is more of an art form, and it's more of something that we can all have our own particular style and um, uh, use of, right? There's not a particular preset, just memorize these arguments and you'll do fine, right? And as we'll get to later, we all understand this. I'll give you a primer for the end of the class. If, right, if, if people are saved through hearing the gospel, then it's like, how come we don't just drive around with it on speakers, just playing? And people would be getting saved if that's how they come to faith, is they just through hearing it, right? Well, that's clearly not the case. So I think, as we'll see today, what that means is that in our apologetic approach, what we need to do is we need to really foster our own abilities and our own strengths. Some of us, I think the best apologetic approach we can have is being kind and being loving. I think, um, I think as a community, as the, the whole church, not just this church, but the whole church, I think, has sort of um, put apologetics in just that sort of academic realm. But I really think what a lot of the time what we're doing is we're performing apologetics with how we live and how we treat other people. At Heidelfest yesterday, the way the community, I think, is, is acting and behaving and, and certain things like that, um, uh, there may be instances there where no one is even thinking about how can I perform apologetics or how can I defend my faith. But if someone's there who's not a Christian and sees, wow, this is, this is a really great community of people, I think that is just as much of a defense and uh, also uh, sort of promotion of Christianity and of, of Christ as anything can be. So, um, Amen. yeah, I don't, yeah, we'll just, we'll just leave that there. Um, so he said the, it's the discipline that teaches Christians how to give a reason for their hope. And I like that how. It's not what exactly to say, but it's right, what are some strategies that we can actually use. And then we'll fill in the blanks later. We'll fill in the arguments later. Right? So we're going to sort of, uh, there's, there's going to be a common theme to my course of what I think is some of the best ways to go about learning how. And we really won't get to the explicit explanation of that until the last couple classes, but um, I think you'll, through teaching, hopefully it'll come through. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need a title. You're just going to be like, okay, see what kind of he's, what he's doing. Um, <clears throat> so, 
We started with apologetics. I'm going to start over here. So apologetics is classically defined as, remember, defending the faith. So we're just going to say it's, it's a defense, right? It's funny that apologetics is um, giving reasons, right? And I, I think it's funny that when parents, now that I'm a parent, Jerry hasn't started disobeying yet, but I imagine that's right around the corner. And you say, say you're sorry to your child, and they start giving excuses. And you say, no, don't, don't, say, don't give excuses, apologize. Well, if you use that phrase, technically, you're telling them to give excuses. So, <laughs> this word, apologetics, comes from apologize. Apologize, actually, if you look it up in the dictionary, it doesn't mean to say you're sorry at all. But technically, it's the wrong word to use there. So, not that any of your children are going to be like, the dictionary, uh, you told me to give excuses. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we're going to begin with the word hope because uh, we frame use that in his definition. So we're going to start with that hope, Christian hope. So I can ask, this is just an open question. Anybody can respond. What are some definitions of hope that you can think of? And you could just throw out other words. Don't define it with the same word. I found myself doing that all the time. Hope, it's hope. Yeah, come on. Anyone? Maybe trust, trust. Okay, hope. So we'll so we'll write hope over here. So trust is one. Any others? Assurance. Assurance. Very good. Okay. Peace. What a, peace? Good. Okay. Now think about it. Now I want you to think about how would like non-Christians probably define hope. Get a little bit of contrast here. Wishing. Because you're all giving the correct answer. Very good. Wishing. Expectation. Expectation. Yeah. Maybe sort of like. Um, unwarranted expectation. Like, we all hope we win the lottery, but we don't really think we're going to, right? <clears throat> so I just, I mentioned that because a lot of times in apologetics, what are we doing? We're dealing, obviously, with non-Christians most of the time. I think apologetics can be geared towards other Christians, too, not that that means that they're not, like, saved or anything, but um, so, yeah, so there we go. We have hope being defined in totally different ways. You said assurance, right? And that is assurance really built on pretty good reasons, right? We have a hope for the resurrection, right? And it's not that we have a hope for the resurrection like we have a hope for winning the lottery, right? Or that I'll grow five inches tomorrow or something, right? So hope is defined really as, <clears throat> so you said assurance. I think that's pretty much exactly how, oh my gosh. Okay, so it's a, it says, uh, my definition is uh, <clears throat> the expected or anticipated, um, uh, or anticipation of an event. So really as Christians, our main hope rests in Christ, and really it rests in, uh, excuse me, Christ's resurrection, right? So really we could say Christ, the wholeness of Christ, right? His life, death, resurrection, and ascension. So, but just for our purposes today, we're going we're gonna, to um, use Christ's resurrection, right? Is there... There's one S and two R's, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I think it's like a, almost like a, a kid going to bed for Christmas. You, you know there's a present under the tree for you. You don't have to hope that the present's there. You just kind of have a fantasy of what it's 
it's going to be like. And I think that's what it, it is for the Christian in Christ. To, or not, it's not like you go, well, I really hope this is true. You know, I'm going to put a basket of hope. It's like, no, it's true. But we don't have any idea what the gift is going to be like. We have a promise, right? And right. So we hope. Uh, that's our hope. It's like a kid going to bed at Christmas Eve. He knows he has a, a gift under the tree. His hope is that it's something he really wants. You know? Yep. So yeah. So we could say hope is. Uh, I think I think assurance is great, right? So hope is assurance, right? We we are assured we have certainty um, of our hope, right? Um, now the uh, the second greatest thing from that verse. Um, another word that I want to just take a minute to sort of define is faith. I think we hear that one even more. And that one, too, I think has a lot more variations of possible meanings. So what are some, just one word, other, you know, uh, synonyms of faith we might hear? Trust. Trust, very good. And once again, you guys are all giving the correct answer. <laughs> so trust, okay, again. So we all probably know what Christian faith is. Again, let's think about what, what would the world say faith is? Any guesses? Very good. Head, heading in the right direction. I, I'm like a lawyer up here, right? I'm, I'm asking questions I already know the answer to. But. So, yeah, blind faith, um, uh, blind belief. Actually, it's funny that some dictionaries define faith as hope without, or excuse me, hope. Uh, belief without reasons, or sometimes even belief uh, contrary to reason. Which, if the world just looks at it with a, oh, they're talking about having faith, that means they believe it no matter what, what the evidence says or what, um, what is told to them or whatever, which is kind of true that we're called to, you know, we are committed to Christ, and we're not necessarily committed to Christ because of the evidence, right? I'll get to that more in, in later classes. Um, <clears throat> but certainly we don't have an absence of reasons for our faith, right? Our faith is built on a relationship, but that doesn't mean we don't have reasons. We don't have good reasons to believe, right? Yeah. Unwanted desire. <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think trust is a very good one, um, Ann Johnson. Uh, so we'll do that. Trust. And actually, the word uh, for faith in Greek um, is used interchangeably with belief. <coughs> is interesting. So faith, trust, belief, those are all synonyms in the Bible. Um, and actually, faith and hope are used quite a bit, sort of interchangeably. Um, uh, yeah, so that's worth doing a word study on its own just there. Um, <clears throat> so the reason that Frame uses the word hope uh, in his definition is because of sort of the theme verse of apologetics. And I'm sure most of you have heard this before, that, but that's 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. Um, 1 Peter uh, 3, 15 through 16. And I'll just read it. <clears throat> in future classes, if you do want to bring a Bible and, and uh, I can, if there's a, because there'll sometimes there'll be passages where I'll have, or times where I'll have like consecutive verses read, so I might, call on some of you to, to aid me with that, so I'm not just the only one that's speaking. 
<clears throat> so 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16 says, and again, this is sort of the theme verse for apologetics in general, um, but Frame also uses it. It says, <clears throat> But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So here we have, what are we giving a defense of? Well, we're giving defense or reasons for the hope. Right? So we're going to unpack that word hope even more. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I find very convicting about this passage, and it didn't really hit me until sort of after studying it for a while, but how the passage ends it says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. I realize that the context that the first century church was being asked to give a defense for their faith, for their hope, was because people were seeing their good behavior and questioning them. <clears throat> and what I realized is, oh my gosh, that's never happened for me. I've never had anyone sort of witness my behavior and go, why, why are you doing that? Or, or where is this coming from? Um, and I think that's worth contemplating itself, right? And that goes exactly back to what I, I said at the beginning, that perhaps this whole apologetic endeavor is a little bit um, aimed at the wrong place, that we spend so much time thinking about how can I formulate just say the right things, right? I just need to say the right things. But here it looks like they're getting approached and asked questions about their faith, about why are you a Christ follower? Not because of what they're saying necessarily, but because of how they're living their life. Um, I, say, I, think, I think we're close culturally to the same thing. I mean, all you have to do, I think people notice, if you do something as simple as never take the Lord's name in vain, mm. at least in the culture that I work in, yeah. you stick out the <laughs> They right. You don't, they may not swear, but you'll notice that they won't swear in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> simple things that people, you don't think that sticks out, but that really sticks out. Yeah. Some, you know, or just being kind. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with my throat right now. Go ahead, Byron. <laughs> don't even start with me. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I got a friend back Full well, he could lose his job and his, his wife and kids depended 
his conscience wouldn't allow him to just not say anything, right? Yeah. He went in, and they were just gobsmacked. They couldn't believe this guy actually did this, right? They didn't know what to do with him. Because <laughs> the, the, the punishment for thievery on the mine site was you're terminated instantly, right? So <laughs> great big meeting in that human resource department. And bottom line was they just had grace for the guy. Yeah. Well, you know, they just took everything back, but it, it just spoke volumes. And as a result, this one guy, his wife was a Christian, and he wasn't. And later on, he came to he came to know the Lord. And yeah, it, yeah. You know, it wasn't because of that, but it but. was definitely. <coughs> that, and they were really uh, flabbergasted by it. He he got it. He had the opportunity to share with a lot of guys as a result of that. Yeah. Because everybody heard about it, right? Yep. Yeah, and that's where I think the, as Christians, I think the line between witnessing and evangelism and apologetics really ideally should blur, and it all should just sort of become one kind of endeavor, um, that it's really just how we live our lives and our conversation, um, that, yeah, it's on the work site. If people notice that you're always talking in a certain way and not just, you know, always being that Debbie Downer type of person. Right, those types of things I think can be. Um, obviously, you're not mentioning Christ by name, but I think it opens the door for um, those discussions to come along. For someone to say, "Hey, why why are you always so positive? I don't hear you putting down the boss when everybody else is." Right, and then that's a perfect opportunity to just be like, "Well, so I don't want to be like you guys. That's why." <laughs> <laughs> Got kids to raise. I'm trying to be a good example. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Yes, very good. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get kind of back on track here. That's fine. Uh, so as we're talking about, so apologetics, we've defined already apologetics as defense, and then hope is assurance in the resurrection. Faith is trust or belief. Now, what I want to point out here is that when we give a defense, uh, however we give a defense, right? So we're, we're not just talking about uh, verbally here or academically. We're talking about in everything that we do with our life. When we give a defense, we're not actually giving a defense for our hope because our hope is the result of Christ's resurrection, right? So when it comes to actually giving defenses of things, we actually want to give a defense for what justifies our hope. So Christ's resurrection justifies our assurance, right? So the reason we want to do that is we want to make a line to here. So we're defending Christ's resurrection the reason is, what this means is that we're defending something that's beyond ourselves. And I think a lot of times what happens in our society today is if you start defending your hope or you start putting it in sort of just personal, autonomous terms, that is like, well, I have hope, but someone else may not have hope, and that's okay. Right? If you put it in those sort of personalistic, relativistic terms, then you're not actually defending what justifies our hope. So that's what we want to do in apologetics. That's what we want to do in encounters with people and how we live our lives. If they question us, if they wonder, if we can make it clear, it's not that I act this way because I have hope. It's I act this way because of Christ's resurrection, which gives me hope. And that's a very important distinction to make, that we're always arguing and defending and trying to promote, if you will, that which gives hope or faith 
its justification. Right? <clears throat> so moving on, um, we talked about, so there we went over a verse that talked about sort of the source of hope. Right? Um, the source of hope, where we get our hope from, is Christ's resurrection. Really, that's the wholeness of Christ. <clears throat> now we're going to talk about the source of faith. Okay? So uh, it, if, if we described it as sort of trust or belief and assurance, um, and if our hope is in Christ's resurrection, um, then where does faith come from? Right? Well, actually, the, the Bible thankfully gives us this answer. In uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, <clears throat> it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now that verse isn't just talking about faith being a gift, it actually means the whole, the whole package is a gift. Grace, uh, mercy, faith, these are all gifts of God, right? So, a, faith is, so we said faith is uh, trust and belief. It's a gift. Let's write gift. First and foremost, it's given to us by God. The Holy Spirit uh, leads us to faith. Think about no one comes to the Father unless I draw him, right? Uh, or no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. Same, same thing almost. Uh, the other verse is Romans 10. Uh, Romans 10, 17, we'll just read 17, yeah. Uh, so 18 just complicates it a little bit more, so. <laughs> Romans 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So there we have it. So faith is first a gift of God, and it comes through hearing. There's, that's an A. There we go. Hearing the word of Christ. Now that phrase, word of Christ, um, is... In a couple of the commentaries that I read, it's phrased that way in the sense that it's the testimony of the disciples, right? So the word of Christ is the testimony of the disciples um, as it's uh, proclaimed throughout the world, right? They were actually given the authority to do that. So here we have the, the fact that um, saving faith comes to us in two different ways. It's a gift and it comes through hearing. Now, what that means is that our trust and belief, our faith, actually leads to believing this, right? So we hear the gospel, and God gives us the ability to respond to it, and the ability to believe in this, right? So our faith and our trust then becomes in this, and then we have hope, right? So as you can see where the lines are pointing here, we can kind of see, all right, in an apologetics endeavor, really what we're doing is we're not trying to defend our hope. We're not trying to defend my faith. We're trying to defend our justification for both of those. What is our justification for faith? And what is our justification for hope? Well, turns out it's Jesus, the typical Sunday school answer, right? So this is where we actually land as apologists, as Christians, that gives us the reason for our hope, the reason for our faith is in Christ, right? It's in God. So again, if we start talking about, well, I have faith and that's just my sort of personal thing, 
and other people may not have it and that's okay, right? We hear, this is the world's sort of explanation to things, right? Then all you're doing is you're just defending this feeling, this random sort of little, uh, you know, unjustified belief that we might have. But if, we're, if we look at it from Scripture and we realize that, wow, faith is actually a gift of God. It comes through hearing the Word of Christ, through hearing the Gospel, right? Then all of a sudden, again, we're defending something that's beyond ourselves, right? And this is what's interesting about um, that passage, 1 Peter 3.15, is that the word that he uses when he says, um, let's, let's just read it. <clears throat> He says, to anyone who asks you uh, for the reason for the hope that is in you, uh, typical, you know, 21st century people, we go, oh, that's, that's me. You is me. This is a great, a great story. Uh, my niece, um, my oldest brother's little, little girl, um, she, for the first about, uh, from like a year to two years old, she thought her name was you. <laughs> she did, because we'd say, what do you want? What would you, you know, what do you want to eat? How, how do you feel you? Her, she thought her name was you. And we know this because she would say, Grandma, you. Grandma, you. Or Uncle, you. And we'd say, what's your name, Zoe? And she'd say, you. And I think that's sometimes what we do as Christians is we read the Bible and we're like, you, that's, that's me. It's like, no, it's not most of the time. Um, <laughs> you, it's not, as the one guy says, it's not Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Um, some of you might know who that is. Uh, right, but so this word you here is actually the plural form. And so what that means is that you is the church. It's the community. Right. Yeah. You is me. Me is you. No. Uh, so really what we're doing when we're giving a defense, the people who are giving a defense is not just us personally. Right. We're not just saying this is a personal belief and I don't know if anybody else holds it. We're saying, no, it's the whole community of believers. Right? So the whole community of believers is defending this and um, uh, promoting this. Right? So that, again, goes beyond it's Christ's resurrection, it's Christ's purpose, it's the church. Right? That's who's actually giving the defense. That's who's being questioned. And uh, like I said, that's who we need to um, point back to. So I think some of you might kind of see uh, the method that I'm taking. This sort of swirling confusion. Um, right. Um, so, if our hope is in Christ's resurrection, and our faith is the gift of hearing, as we've said, then really what we're defending is this. We're really defending the roots of the gospel. And so there we have it. As, as a, the, the apologetics that we do is a defense of the gospel, Right? Um, because this is where we learn about these things. Where is the information about Christ's resurrection contained? Where is it contained? Where do we find it? In the Bible. In the Bible. Right. It's in Scripture. The Bible. The Bible. the Bible. Very good. Yep. So, I have a question. question. Are you saying that the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus? No, I'm saying that this saves us, right? But this is contained, we learn about this 
in Scripture. So one could say, again, if we're, if we're, if we're looking at, we're trying to defend and give reasons for what we're doing is we're trickling down to what's the last thing, right? Now, ultimately, obviously, we would all say, well, this is the most important thing. Christ is the most important thing. But where do we learn about this? We learn about this in Scripture. Right? Now, we might say, oh, geez, so a book is the end-all, be-all of what we're doing? Well, not really. As we'll find out in later classes, it's, it always comes back to Christ. Keith, do you have a question? Well, then, then you're going to have to defend Scripture. Right. Precisely. So, we're not trying to get to the point where it's like, okay, well, all we're doing is, is defending Scripture, and then, and then we're caught in a circle. Right? Well, that's why... We're going we're gonna to talk about all those issues because you can see that circle coming, that swirling vortex of, oh, no, we're never going to get out of this, right? What do we, we just, Scripture is Scripture, so, right. It's sort of like Christ's resurrection, is it found in here? But this gives us reason to believe this. But that, so it's just, you know, you just keep, keep going. We'll, we'll talk about all that. Um, so, again, Scripture is where this is contained, but... Moving on. Uh, where does Scripture come from? Where does it come from? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And the disciples. Right? So, it's... Uh, we're, we're keep moving down. I'm running out. I'm going to go over here. There we go. So, we've got um, the Holy Spirit. Very good answer. And the disciples. Now, apostles, yeah. Mike. <laughs> he gave it to his apostles. Uh, um, why? We're running out of time. But uh, why do we trust the testimony of the disciples then? Because if that's what Scripture is, is the testimony of the Holy Spirit, we, we're going to trust that, right? Can't not trust that as Christians. Um, that's why we're Christians. Uh, but if the dis- disciples' testimony is what Scripture is, and that's where we learn about Christ's resurrection, then why do we trust the disciples' testimony? Because they were guided by the Holy Spirit. Correct. And they were eyewitnesses, right? So, there we have it. In Scripture, here we go. So, the testimony of the disciples, why do we trust that? Uh, John, so the Gospel of John 20, 19 through 23. Actually, I'm just going to read 20 through 23. This is uh, after Christ's resurrection. He comes to the disciples and he's, he's uh, assuring them. And he says, when he said this, um, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when you had this, um, oh, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of any, they are, they are forgiven them. If you will withhold forgiveness <clears throat> from any, it is withheld. So there we actually have Christ giving the disciples the Holy Spirit and commissioning them and empowering them for the task that He's called them, right? Again, another gospel, Matthew 28, 18, sort of the same narrative. Um, 18 says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what we have going on here is it's actually, we trust this because it's Christ's word. The disciples were inspired and empowered to proclaim and teach what Jesus taught them. Right? This is why we believe that Scripture is, in a sense, complete. We don't go, wait a minute, there's got to be hundreds and hundreds of other teachings of Jesus that we've never heard. Right? Well, what we believe is that the Holy Spirit and Christ has empowered the disciples to give a testimony that is sufficient, that is complete, which is Scripture. Right? So, that means the Holy Spirit and the disciples' testimony is given the authority of the testimony of Christ, of Christ's Word Himself, which is what makes this authoritative. And it's just, like, it reiterates how, how, how much of a gift it is, you know, because it's a blessing. <clears throat> So, absolutely. And uh, so we'll end on, on this point. Again, I think, uh, Byron, that was a perfect sort of uh, juncture, is that one might ask the question, well, wait a minute, aren't we disciples? We're called disciples of Christ. So how come we don't have this ability? Right? I think that's a fair question to ask. Because we have the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're His disciples. Does that mean we get to dictate Scripture? Well, let's read on. First John... 1, 1 through 14, John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, not, not us, we, these guys, what we have heard, which we have seen, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father, and which was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. Right? John is making the case that not only is, is Christ the Word right, from beginning, but they are telling you this because that's what they learned. It's, almost, it's a, almost a microcosm of what Christ said. I don't say anything unless I've heard it from the Father. The disciples essentially, right, they're Christ's followers. They're saying, we're, we're not saying anything that we haven't heard from Christ. And because He's empowered us, it's accurate. That's why we can trust it, right? So we don't trust the disciples' testimony on their own merits. We trust the disciples' testimony because of the testimony of the Holy Spirit, and Christ. So really, what it comes down to, again, in apologetics, what we're giving a defense for is right back to here. Now, that entails we're going to have to defend Scripture. Right? At some point, think about what the most common objection to Christianity is. Oh, the Bible's yeah, the Bible is just written by man. Well, we, we can't just defend these guys. That's not going to get us in there, because that's true. It was just written by man. We actually have to then defend the Holy Spirit and Christ to give any reason to believe that their testimony is reliable. Right? So that's the aim of apologetics. The aim of apologetics 
Yes, we could say it's defending the faith or, or giving reasons for our hope. But really what it is is uh, showing Christ. Right? It's proclaiming the gospel. Um, and that's the foundation uh, for our belief and, and our hope and our faith and everything. Right? The reason we love. So I hope that sort of is confusing enough that you're like, oh, okay. Um, but, keeps me coming back. Right. right. But that's the idea is that uh, we want to always... We always want to land on what justifies our love, what justifies our hope, what justifies our faith. And that's always going to come back to uh, Christ, to the triune God. Right? So. I think uh, an application of that, because I've been trying, just has come to me in the last year or so, is that in every conversation I have with someone, and, and when they ask you, like, why don't you swear, or why are you, in some way they're asking, why are you different, I've noticed something different about you. The response should be to point to Christ's resurrection. And mm. Because I believe Jesus rose. You know yeah. Don't be afraid to, because that really ultimately is the Because then they're like, right, that's a very explicit answer that they're like, well, I wasn't yeah. expecting that. Really but that's great, and that's yeah. really the reason. Yeah. The reason is because well, I woke up happy this morning. <laughs> Why are you happy this morning? Because I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Because yeah. Christ died for me. Well, why don't you just say that? Really? But, I mean, like, not to get forceful, but something like, well, "Why don't you believe in gay marriage?" Yeah. And you, you want to dance around, but you grab it. Yeah. Point it, I found it effective just to point it right back to Christ mm-hmm. and get the discussion. Yeah. Right. Let's get it where it's heading, anyways. Yeah. You know, that sort of notion. Now, obviously, we should be tactful and and respectful and, and gentle and, and all that sort of right. But but that's the goal, right? Um, and we'll talk more about that later. That. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about how do we get there, what's the best way to go about getting to that point. But for our, for our class today, that's the, the introduction. So, very good. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Uh, next week, we'll be looking at apologetic methods. So, sort of different ways of how this is dealt with. Okay.